Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode four of the Polis Podcast, season two, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, but still socially distanced a few hundred miles away, is the one and only Hector. How's it going, Hector? Salutations and greetings. I'm Will. Ah, good. I'm glad to hear it. Um, as we kind of enter this Memorial Day weekend, um, it's clearly slightly different than it's been a lot of other years, because... Basically, all of us have been home for the last few weeks anyway. But we've got crazy cool things to talk about this week because comics have found their way back into comic book stores. So let's not spare any more moments. Strap in and prepare yourselves for We've Got Comic Sign. Better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next. As mentioned on today's episode of The Pull List, we're going to catch up on the return of print single-issue comics, the latest news in the industry, which there is a fair amount of. It's just interesting stuff to talk about right now. And what we've all been reading, what Hector and I have been reading, even what some of you have been reading. And we're going to talk about some of your collections because we asked you guys to share those in the Love Thy Nerd community. This is The Pull List Podcast. So jumping on into the news, um, yeah, there's been a ton going on with Diamond and everybody kind of being all over the place. But I think the big things for a lot of folks that are going to be interested right now is there's still lots of rumblings and back and forth on digital first or digital only or digital this or digital that. Um, so kind of right off the top, I wanted to kind of discuss some of the things that are going on there. And what happened this week as we got back into our comic shops and Diamond delivering on first stuff, which DC, Image, and IDW had a few titles this week. Marvel's going all in uh, on the 27th. And then the first week in June is just going to be bananas. So um, if you've been resting your wallets, that's probably a good thing because June's going to show up and be like, cool, I'm going to take that. That's good. Um, but DC announced kind of as next week also brings the next issue of previews so we can kind of see what's coming for the rest of the summer and everything that if you're not familiar, previews is a print catalog, like literally – the size of an old Sears Christmas catalog, which means that I am old as heck and half of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But it's like I was literally gonna say, two it's and like a, half- a phone book, Chris, <laughs> but that doesn't help either. Yeah, no. It's like oh. <laughs> but it's a couple it's three hundred to four hundred pages usually and gives us solicitations, um, which are literally the creative teams, their new ideas, their books, and when they're coming. And toys, products, Pop Funkos, like all that stuff. So all the nerdiness in a single print thing. On top of that, a few years ago, Marvel and DC removed themselves from previews in favor of printing smaller books that could be inserted, which was super awesome as a retailer because I literally had to then take three things and jam them into one thing and it was super fun. Um, But they wanted to catalog so much more of their stuff, and that's understandable. The big two have a lot of stuff. But DC announced this week that they were going to go digital only, that if you used to enjoy getting DC Nation and some of the other free stuff that gave you DC solicitations, well, it's only going to come in digital format in 
terms of DC Connect is what they're calling it now. It'll be available on PDF and I think through some of their applications as well. But it kind of landed on the retailer market with kind of after spending the last month wondering if a lot of things were going to be forced digital, not making retailers happy. A lot of retailers didn't take that well. Um, it's hard to kind of delineate the left and right of this discussion going on in the industry right now. But a lot of retailers are really freaking out that anytime something suddenly leans digital, that it's it's a pathway to destruction. And it's strange. Um, but that's kind of the feel that I got from a lot of folks is there's a lot of back and forth. This is clearly not a all brick and mortar stores are against it or all brick and mortars are for it. It's just there's some uneasiness because that also got coupled with announcements from DC and Marvel that a handful of books at both of the big two were not going to be finished in their print forms. They were going to only finish in digital. Um, that over at Marvel, Ant-Man's uh, limited series, which was only going to be a five-issue run, isn't going to finish in print now. It's going to be digital only uh, until it comes out in trade. DC's finishing Supergirl and the Terrifics entire rebirth runs in digital only. Um, so it's it's caused a lot of kind of folks in the industry to go, what's happening? But I'm kind of curious, Hector, because I know that you read a fair amount of digital that you can kind of balance. What? No, I don't. I uh, only read paper and don't be mad at me. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to be fair to this conversation because – I'm the guy that I'm not necessarily against the industry doing something that may be beneficial for them. I just haven't found the app or format digitally that makes me enjoy it as much as holding a physical thing. And I've talked to people that hold that, but I feel like in this initial argument, a lot of places are just like, DC, you clearly just hate comic book stores and how dare you? And I'm not sure that's quite the answer either. Um, but I kind of want your opinion on... DC moving at least their solicitation catalog basically to a digital only format. Well, super real, dude. I on the solicitation. Resuscitation. Yeah, we use uh, we use big words occasionally when we're doing yes. industry e stuff. No, because we're solicit- smart in this show. <laughs> on the solicitation front, I have no beef whatsoever with it being digital. But here's the deal: you have spent a lot more time looking at solicitations and I ever will because <laughs> that may be true. I've never cared. Um, when a comic book retailer hands me a copy of previews, I'm never cracking that thing. I'm not like, what is this? And, and, and why, why have you given it to me? Like once I want dude, when on, honestly, if it can save the industry a little bit of money, don't give me previews. I'm not going to read mm. it. I'm not going to scour that thing. And like in three months, what book should I want? Listen, that's an industry thing. That's a coming as a con- straight up consumer in this world versus a, you know, having a professional stake in it. Uh, I can promise you. That outside of like looking for comic book art to Mod Podge or something, I'd, I've not looked at previews. Um, and so many hardcore people that are going to be upset with you this week. I come at me, bro. <laughs> I've I, I serve the Lord but and could give two poops. Um, I th- but, <laughs> I think it's fair though. So go on. I'll, I'll but, say why when you're done. But it's just realistically speaking, like 
if I want to know what's coming, I'll look online. Um, if I want to have, but realistically, I don't look at what's coming in a comic book story until the week before. Um, I personally, and this is me, I check what's coming out that week and decide what I'm buying. Like, Ugh, so I, I do hate you now. <laughs> um, now there are certain books that I would put on, you know, a sub list. Like I would, you could put Batman on it for me. You could put Red Hood and the Outlaws. You could put, you know, I've got my constants that I will buy. I will, I will stay with Daredevil until Chip Zdarsky's done. I will, I will do certain things like, but when it comes week to week, I will look through what is coming out and decide, am I putting my money into this or am I not? Um, and you have to, but I am loyal as crap. So you have to seriously underwhelm me to, or to underwhelm, to heavily disappoint for me to stop buying your book. Um, and that's a, that's a rare occurrence. And so, I would just say that, you know, if you're trying to move at least the previews into things digital, go ahead. Um, it's not like like retailers are sitting there with their abacus and, you know, the little gambler advisor figuring out what books they're getting. Ordering so things is Actually, digital. that's exactly what we're doing. And that's that's the difficulty here is because when a preview comes out, we base all of our initial orders on stuff that's going to come out in two months from now off from preview orders. And then we have to FOC those things, which is final order cutoff, those things usually two to three weeks before the actual books come out, which means if we have a ton of people like yourself that makes a decision on a brand new book the week before, we have absolutely no way to correct our ordering habits, which this is just a reality of the comic book industry and has been forever and ever and ever. And this has been one of the things for retailers in attempting to educate um, those coming into the stores of the reason we might run out of a book that suddenly became popular because the internet told you like the day it came out is because we had to order it almost a month before that day. Which means if Bleeding Cool decides something is freaking amazing 24 hours before a bookstore has it, more than likely it's not going to be at your local comic book store. And that's why. And that's one part that's really not fun <laughs> for a lot of us in the industry is we actually literally will be initial ordering issues number two and three of brand new books before we have any idea how well number one sold. Congratulations. Welcome to the comic book industry, everyone. Yeah, and I totally I totally get the relevancy of that. But does having a digital versus print system for that matter? Therein is the discussion that's currently unfolding. And truthfully, it depends on the store. There's many of us that literally still have a lot of old school folks that a preview comes with an order sheet in it and people can literally request that order sheet put a physical check mark next to the things that they want and hand it back to a comic book store owner um, to order off from and some people still do that um, there's also digital versions of the things that are starting to come out and there's a few different point of sale systems like comics hub etc that allow people to digitally do that and the only thing that almost everybody agrees on at the moment 
is that if people do some form of that, our ordering is better. So it's one of those things that I actually would prefer. Well, find the way that works so we can actually be better at keeping the books on the shelves that people actually want to read. Because the other side of the same thing, and we've talked about it before, is if we don't sell stuff in the first week, there is diminishing returns instantaneous that pretty much anything you don't sell in a first week, you might not sell at all unless it's of back issues of major lines, like you said. Um, that's so hard. And that's that's the reality that a lot of comic book shop owners are in. And that's why the last couple of months have been even harder that technically everything kind of went to zero. Now we're ramping back up and how people buy new issues and what owners get stuck with is going to make or break a few businesses in the next month. So yeah, comic book math is a thing and it makes your head hurt. Trust me, kids. Math is important. Well, it wasn't until like you and I started doing podcasts together in general and we talked about this that I realized, man, I probably don't want to own a comic book shop. Like, <laughs> you're welcome. I think I want to work at a comic book shop or more realistically, I want to get minimum wage to loiter at a comic book shop. But I, I don't know that I want that kind of financial stress. I would need a solid managerial presence to pull that off. But um, I, I don't. You know, that's the thing I said to the customer. This won't matter um, on on the scale that it will matter to the retailer. And the people that actually make comics happen. Yeah, more more than likely that's the case. It's the the only reason a lot of folks are talking about it as loud as they are at the moment is that I think a lot of retailers are feeling a little underappreciated by the publishers over the last two months and even longer than that. Coming in the 2020, there kind of was a temperature change at the publisher level of at least the bigger companies. And then COVID kind of pushed them in this digital direction that a lot of people just didn't want to have a talk about. And so it's still kind of now finding its way out because kind of shifting gears back to the other side of this discussion of that certain books that were solicited to print are now going to be digital only in their finishes, not digital only um, like digital first type stuff um, that will come out later in print. It's the they're just not going to print the final issues of a handful of runs that have been mm, so so in their performance that and feels so they're like a betrayal though because i know that i have hated when i've invested in a book and it didn't get finished like all-star batman and robin i'm still angry yeah um oh <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> like like the jim lee uh frank miller run i'm mm-hmm. i'm still salty that that book just didn't end they didn't even end it digitally they just stopped Right. And kind of the theory here is similar to the editorial decisions of that day, which was it's not worth printing to lose money. So what they're looking at now is, yeah, the story's already written. It's already done. So it costs us practically nothing to release it digitally. And hopefully we'll make some money versus losing money on printing and shipping a ton of books. At least that's the theory. But yes, many folks would say, but is upsetting your retailers and a fan base worth it? And that's what we will come to see play out in both DC and Marvel ending some books kind of in that way. So it's interesting times. And I mean, even part of that is with 
everything kind of being shifted around for the last two months. Marvel also, their fall, their summer fall solicitations are now all over the place. Um, we've included an article in the notes so you can look at it because it would take me literally the rest of today's show to go through the details of what Marvel has moved around, what seems oddly not present, and just on and on that they have a major summer event. Empire is still kind of sitting out there, but I think the dates have moved to the right. So I think both Marvel and DC's typical summer events aren't going to be summer events this year. Um, and then just what some of their usually the fall is when a lot of the companies go to kind of either resetting their lines or you kind of get the new feel for what the new school year is going to be for lack of a better term. But yeah, there's lots of movement uh, going on in DC's long range solicitations. So, you know, it's hard for us to say what some stuff is coming, but just know on the DC side, um, you're going to get your Batman 92s in the beginning of June. So we're finally going to see punchline and we're going to see also the war of the jokers begin. So the multiple joker storyline still exists, kids. Um, we're just going to see how that finally plays out. If, if at all and what it actually looks like um this whole shutdown thing has made me care less about punchline than i did before and i didn't know that was possible right i mean i i've been sitting here going i get that that book's going to be worth a stupid amount of money and there's lots of crazy good variants and everything but i felt underappreciative of why i should care about harley quinn's replacement of all things i I would rather have a power line book than a punchline book like give me the tevin campbell character from a goofy movie and i will buy a book (laughs) of that before i would be interested in this and hector loves him some dc so just just take that to heart folks goofy movie character comic book not punchline i would actually Um, love a goofy movie comic book just saying (laughs) All right. Sorry. Well, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, op- opportunities abound. But um, kind of finally from the bigger companies, I wanted to talk about IDW's solicitations because there's some cool stuff buried in their solicitations. And probably a bunch of comic book people went, why do I care about a licensing corporation? Well, it's because IDW still owns the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird are actually coming back together to write a start a turtle story which for anybody that knows the longer conversation on turtles and the relationship between kevin and peter that's a big deal oh yeah and a book called the last ronin is is officially solicited as far as i know it's been worked on um so it's not at risk um that kevin and peter came together to tell one more story and i believe tom waltz and a lot of the other tmnt guys at IDW are involved in that project and I'm, I'm kind of excited because um, it looks old school and I mean, it's got a cool title, so I hope they really go on that Ronin thing. And that's awesome. Um, for other IDW fans that found their way over to Netflix and saw Lock and Key, um, Lock and Key is also returning to print, hopefully later this fall um, with a new run. So that's, more lock and key stuff that's going to be pretty awesome. And so, yeah. And I think I also saw that Rob Liefeld has some random stuff going to IDW as well. So don't, don't put IDW out 
if you've been confused by some of their stuff, and like I said, they typically do licensing, My Little Pony, Transformers, uh, Ghostbusters, TMNT, etc. They do have other cool stuff, and even that licensed stuff is really good. Um, so TMT, you might have heard some. That, uh, sorry, the TMT yeah. Power Rangers stuff was dope. Um, yep. The Terminator Transformer <laughs> stuff, not dope. Carry on. I, I didn't say it was all great, but <laughs> um, they're doing a lot of good stuff over there. And I know that they got hit a little hard by uh, COVID that some folks um, did get let go, not just furloughed from their space. So hopefully IDW will be able to use this summer and this fall with all these awesome titles coming back that they'll be able to continue the right head things in the right direction. Chris Ryle is a really, really good dude and I'm happy that he's helming that ship. So I have faith he'll be able to put them in a great place come this fall. So that's kind of all my deep stuff. Um, Hector, I think you had something kind of neat about an independent um, company that had gotten themselves in the Walmart. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, so like Chris has a lot of industry folks in his timeline, my timeline also has a lot of industry folks, but more on the uh, like I follow a lot more writers and artists and stuff. And they've been pushing and announcing these new comic books that are premiering at Walmart. Um, uh, it's the Allegiance comics uh, in general. And they are, you know, I've seen comic book legendary writers like Chuck Dixon and other folks actually promoting it and talking about it. But you can walk into Walmart in the book section, not some obscure butt crack of a section like they put the DC books <laughs> when they tried it. Uh, like, by the way, why didn't the DC books end up in the book section? Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, merchandising. Uh, yeah, but they're, they're actually putting these new comic books in the book section of your local Walmart and they are new titles starting at number ones. And, you know, they're almost 99% stuff you've never heard of. And that's okay. If you just want some new comics, I've seen people reviewing them. There's some fantasy, there's some horror, there's some different things. Uh, the one that does interest me that I would actually be willing to go pick up if I valued my life less and actually walk into a walmart right now um oh dang <laughs> dude it's like i'm married to a respiratory therapist so yeah, uh, i'm tra i'm tracking now ev now everyone else knows um yeah i am married to a yeah. respiratory therapist who is in the hospitals every day dealing with this stuff and yep. uh i'm not allowed to go anywhere like not like mama said no <laughs> She said no. Um, like I because I'm home taking care of our three kids and she's working in a hospital every day, like yep. in full hazmat gear. Um Yeesh. I I have not been in a store um outside of GameStop. Um because the Lord blesses Yeesh. my local GameStop. Um gotta gotta have priorities. Yeah, I have not been in a store outside of GameStop in over six weeks. Um so yeah. The day that comic books stopped shipping was the last time I was in a store. Um, and because I went to support all my local comic book shops. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, like I, I just the idea of walking to a Walmart right now, like gives me the twitches. Um, but <laughs> it should have having been to a local Walmart. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, anyway. But anyway, there is a book on Bass Reeves, um, which if you've watched the recent season of Watchmen, um, that you would have heard of that character. Um, he was the inspiration for Hooded Justice. Um, and, uh, according to the show's timeline, but he's also a character out of history and, um, just a cool, a cool storyline. So I would be interested to read a book like that, but, uh, the only negatives I've heard about these books is that Walmart is putting the sticker directly on the cover. So as a, (laughs) as a comic book collector, um, it's going to give me a minute. (laughs) Out. But dude, they're they are straight sticking the sticker right on the soft inner papery cover of these books. Oh my soul. And um so people that are actually buying these and you're interested in number ones and things like that, um, you know, you're gonna want to be cautious in how you remove that sticker because if this turns into something you want to, you know, actually hold on to, go for it. But I think Walmart, you know, and Allegiance really just struck while the iron was hot. It's like, well, everybody else is not getting out comics. Let's go ahead and drop this hammer. Um, Yeah. A lot of independents really took advantage of getting their product into the marketplace to shops that were still open or anywhere and good on them. I'm glad that the hustle of the independent part of the industry was like, heck yeah, I'm still writing. I'm still drawing. Here is some comics. Well, almost everything I got during the shutdown period was independent artists like the I got the Earthworm Jim graphic novel um, from Doug Tenample, I think is his name correctly. Which, by the way, it is the prettiest graphic novel presentation I have ever seen. Um, it is just the most well put together book, like as far as visual on the like cover and everything else, the detail. It's the prettiest book I've ever seen. But I've only read like two pages, so I can't say more than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Spoilers. Walmart has. Walmart has two comics or it has new comics. So if you are braving into the unknown, uh, jump on that. Interesting. I'm all for, and also reading through the article, um, that we have in the show notes for you guys is a little interview of kind of why they made the approach. And it basically was this concept also of not just getting stuff out when, They have the ability to do so, but that if you do talk to a lot of folks from our generation, the current generation of comic book shop owners or new owners is where did you fall kind of across your first comics? A lot of answers they got were, oh, well, my local grocery store magazine section or a random rack at some um, CVS kind of thing. And that was true for a lot of folks uh, that we didn't have comic book shops. Mine was like a local um, D&D type store. You know, Pewter Dragons, D&D stuff, and Magic Cards, and, oh, look, like, four comics. Dude, I got um, the death of Superman at a gas station. I yep, got... I was going to say, mine was actually the middle issue of Death of Superman, and it was from one of those D&D shops. I got a Death of Superman from a gas station, and it included a wristband for Superman's funeral. Yep, so you got the white bag issue yeah it did and i still got that uh band in my comic book collection so yep yeah that was the difference between the black bagged and the uh and the white bagged Nerd. so good s- yeah I, shut up <laughs> <laughs> with friends like these folks um so yeah so that's what you guys need to know 
our bi-weekly look at the industry and delivering all of our wonderful inside knowledge and, well, outside knowledge to all of you. And we would just love to have you guys part of the conversation. We hang out over at the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community. So just search for Love Thy Nerd community and you can hit us up with all of your questions, uh, things that you see going on in the industry and you want to talk about. But let's go on this geeky adventure together, why don't you? So Book of Faces, Love Thy Nerd community, come hang out with us. They are also the home of this podcast and the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. So, you know, come see us, come hang out. We love to have you guys over there and we'll tell you a little more about the community a little later on because we've got some community stuff for you in this episode. Let's talk about some of the books that actually did come out this Wait, week. So books come out? Yeah, a few. <laughs> and that's kind of the thing is it's like, yeah, we're shipping. And everyone was like, well, sort of. Um, but DC took advantage of getting some of what normally would probably be considered their fourth week, fifth week stuff. So they can clear just the way, like I said, the first week in June is just going to be stupid with the number of books coming at everybody. But what did you read this week? And then I'll get into, I read some really obscure stuff this week because of what new stuff was out. So Hector, tell me what made it into your poll. I will say that, that it was rather underwhelming to see what actually came out you know at our triumphant return to comics um i almost took a picture at my local shop because he clears out the this week section and i was like that's weird i want to take a picture of it but i also don't because it slightly makes me sad (laughs) yeah um you know surprise surprise i bought some red hood stuff um and that was no you didn't (laughs) that was it oh wait Um, yes you did that's what the show notes say Yes, that's what's exactly happened. Um, so, Deceased number three, or Deceased Unkillables number three. Unkillables, yeah. And I will say this, um, well freaking done. Uh, Deceased was a good book. Deceased A Good Day to Die was a better book. Deceased Unkillables is the best of all of it. Um, deceased so Unkill- much Deceased. So much deceased, but that was the thing. Um, deceased was DC's zombie uh, mm-hmm. book, but it also felt a lot more like um, DC's Final Crisis, which was uh, the anti life equation. So, what mm-hmm. we got in Deceased is the anti life equation mixed with zombies. Um, and that's fair. The the culmination of it was that you're dealing with our superheroes and villains getting this and watching the last line of defense fight against the biggest heroes and stuff like that. So, um, but deceased did not include red hood. And so that was one of the things of like, man, where is red hood and all this? Um, deceased unkillables, uh, is only a three issue story arc, but I'm telling you, I would buy that junk and hardback just for those three issues. Um, I'm really do hoping they put together an absolute unkill deceased or something that has all of these together. Um, but deceased unkillables follows, uh, red hood, Cassandra Kane and Jim Gordon as they, uh, shepherd an orphanage of remaining children left in the world. 
like a basically to my account it was two school bus loads of kids that are left abandoned and have no help and so you've got those guys um but it also focuses around a group of supervillains who are just smart or lucky enough to be alive um and how they all come together um but it's some really dope Solomon Grundy stuff, uh, some hilarious creeper things. Um, but you get, honestly, I'd say it's probably my favorite Deathstroke moments since uh, Identity Crisis. Um, Ooh, interesting. Um, I think Identity Crisis had some of the best Deathstroke moments ever in print. And Unkillables, I think, has the best iteration of Deathstroke since then. Um, but you get Deathstroke and Ravager and all this stuff, but you get to see your some of your favorite DC heroes and villains as uh, super-powered zombies, and it's wonderful. Um, so DC Stun Killables, go pick up all three issues when you can. Um, I fully plan to go buy a couple copies of all of it. Um as soon as I get the chance, or if I find out there will be a trade, I'm on that. Um, the other end of it was I picked up uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, whatever number that was. 45. 45. By the okay. looks of the yeah. notes. Yep, 45. Um, and it's just continuing the story. I'm not going to say it's the greatest thing I've ever read, but it was really nice to have Red Hood back. Um, but Or to have comic Aww. books back in general. But I also made the mistake of reading Unkillables first. So this book seems super underwhelming <laughs> next to unkillables. Um, Don't you hate that? I actually, when I have a pile of stuff that I have new reads in, I will literally put the stuff that I know are the, are the bangers at the bottom of that pile because everything I else will suck. That happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, I had other chances to read stuff, but um, I've been writing my own book and trying to finish that. So I'm behind. Um, I still have all of, I have my whole earthworm gym book. I have, uh, Ruth from Meredith Finch. I've got a volume of demon slayer to read. And I actually just bought a 500 issue collection from a local flea market, um, to support my local people. Somebody like tagged me in a post and said there, a guy was selling 500 issues and an actual full comic book shelf. Like Dang. The, the the eight deep slot shelf, like a yeah. real bookstore shelf, uh, five hundred issues and the shelf for a hundred bucks, and I'm like, okay, I, I have my money. I haven't even looked through the books. Um, I literally just bought the shelf, um, for the shelf's sake. So that's here's hoping. It's like it, I if, bought a shelf and it came with comics. I was like, are you sure it wasn't the other way around? Yeah, that, that was totally what happened. Um, I also organized my entire comic book collection for the first time oh. since Hurricane Matthew. Um, no, but that day's coming, but we'll we'll talk about that. Save it for the podcast, as they yeah, say. Yeah. yeah. So how about um, you? What you get into with your weird, obscure books? Yeah, so I'm not reading any of the DC ongoings that hit this week, and that's because I'm terrible as a human being and not listening to Hector on unkillables so i missed the first two issues so the third one coming out really didn't help me because i didn't have the first two so i'm i'm sorry um so i had to take a look at this rather bare shelf and go what on earth am i going to read and 
Yeah. So I'm going to start at IDW because I said nice things earlier. And there's a new Star Wars Adventures uh, book out, which usually is aimed at kids. Um, but let me just say that if you've enjoyed anything in the current Marvel um, Disney mythos, which is all canon, um, that includes the comics and everything, is there's tons of neat little vignettes, if you will, of Star Wars that are taking place like all over the place. And this is one of them that Star Wars Adventures, the Clone Wars Battle Tales, where it literally read like an episode of Clone Wars, that it was a random altercation uh, between Captain Rex and some clones and Anakin and Plo Koon and Obi. And they're off, you know, fighting separatists. And I was like, Okay, I'm down. <laughs> you know, it's not crazy amazing art or anything. It's just exactly what you expect from a Clone Wars story. And boom. It there's I can't I don't even need to really upsell it or downsell it that if that kind of stuff is your jam, then I check it out and then pass it on to your kids to read because if you want to pay four that. bucks for twenty three right. pages of an episode of Clone Wars. There you go. Right. There you go. We found we found the pathway for you. You're you're welcome, or I'm sorry. I'm not sure. You can decide later. <laughs> Um, but then next to that was a brand new image book. And I'm kind of surprised that image just kind of dropped one of their kind of off the wall titles in the middle here, but it probably would have been lost in next week. And let me just say right now, I have no idea what this book is about. Um, and it's called <laughs> the ludocrats. Number one, uh, Gillen, who's been doing tons of other crazy, amazing projects, you know, crosses the void into utter insanity. And it's this louder, crazier than you can ever imagine universe of these absolutely ostentatious, literally ludicrous. See what, see what happened there? Um, like the rapper? No. Oh, like, see, I would read like, that. like Spaceball One hitting plaid. Um, because I said the same thing in my head. I was like, everyone's going to be like, why am I talking about? Yeah, whatever. Um, it's about these people that just live life to utter insanity. Um, boredom is a crime in this universe. And it took me until the end of the first issue to figure out that that's what I they were trying to communicate to me. Um, is just these aristocratic people that thrive off from utter insanity. That boredom and simplicity is the banality of their existence. And I'm using all these big words on purpose because this book was just painful to read in terms of that. So imagine like a Victorian play. So Shakespearean type stuff, but just like completely off the wall and lots of, well, not lots yet, but one set of really random nudity that just makes my head hurt still. Um, so not for the kiddies. <laughs> um, it's, it's very bright. The art is really interesting. But if you're just looking for that, I pick up comics to go, what on earth just happened? Then this book's probably in your category. Um, I almost feel, even though I'm not sure I got anything out of it, I need to pick up number two when it comes out to see if this actually goes somewhere. Um, the vibe it gives me at the moment is, for those of you that remember, I had pretty good things to say about a DC Vertigo book called Deathbed. It's got that vibe. And to be completely honest, probably is going to have about the same level of nudity in it. So, yeah. Okay. I, I crave it. I crave a day when Dr. Manhattan was the only thing I really had to worry about flipping through a book. 
And then I read Deathbed and I went, you just went, hold my beer. Seeing Dr. Manhattan once or twice is just going to be a joke now. And here we are. The Ludocrats. I really got nothing on that one. But okay. utter insanity. So if you are that person going, show me the thing on the shelf that makes absolutely no sense, but is well written and drawn. Is there anyone that does that? Is that like an actual thing? Yeah, no, I've definitely met people in days that they're like, you know, I'm not into the dudes in tights and crying about my dead mom and dad, you know, like all the standard tropes of comic books to show me the one thing that literally is the most utterly insane thing or most sci-fi or most fantasy you occasionally get the people that are like, show me the thing that is technically not is the furthest thing from Marvel or DC. Here you go. <laughs> okay. Nailed it. Yep. They exist. There's not, it's not a huge fan base, but I know that books like that exist for a reason. I kind of think it's going somewhere, but wow, was that a very confusing first issue? Um, so perfect image book. Um, Otherwise, I picked up three random comics from a company called Big Blue Comics that my retailer decided that he was going to give a floater to um, an independent that was pushing product during the downtime here. And I read out of their line, The Resistance, Hyperaction, and Kestrel, which they're all tied to this resistance team. And I think the best way to kind of describe what Big Blue Comics is up to is if you really enjoyed like the late 90s, New 52 team type stuff and same thing from Marvel. So we're talking the spandex suits, tons of pouches um, and firearms and aliens and huge government conspiracy organizations like these guys are in your wheelhouse their art is actually really solid the writing is actually kind of thick and what i mean by thick is there's lots of reading um which was kind of an older comics thing versus a newer comics thing and it makes it less 90s-esque in that sense so there's a lot of depth um to their stuff so if you see it out there, you can check it out. I've left their website in the show notes here that just as new independents kind of make their way to the shelves as some retailers are taking more chances after learning that if we have to rely on the big two or even the big five, that if something happens, we could go without comics for two months, like just happened, that maybe we should be a little more aware of some of the independents and what they're doing. So I gave them a shot. It wasn't quite my thing, but they are pretty. I'm not going to lie. The art was really great. So um, it's just a space that my brain's like, cool, I get it, but just wasn't my jam per se. But I wanted to share it with you because I know that just because something isn't my jam doesn't mean someone else won't enjoy it because that's what's awesome about comics. Um, so that's all we really had for reads because we're, we're just getting back into it, but we're happy to be getting back into it, which is great. Um so, guys, this is going to be a fun transition for us. We've been telling you since season two hit that we really, really want to know what you guys are reading. And we told you, you know, give us a call at 706-530-1412 and leave us a 30-second, one-minute message about your favorite reads. And on the next episode, you can hear your amazing voice on the podcast telling all of your friends why... You read Spit something out, really Shatner. fun. 
Yeah, right? <laughs> Get it? Uh, uh. But anyway, we got a call. And so we want you guys to hear from Mike. He's from Philly, and he's giving us some of his thoughts on Walter Simonson's Ragnarok. So, uh, yeah, let, let's go to the tape. Hey, guys, this is Mike Minaro from Philly. Uh, my COVID catch-up has uh, led me to reading uh, Walter Simonson's first run of uh, Ragnarok. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows him uh, doing Thor from Marvel, but he did his own little take on Thor, which I caught on to during the current run. It's called Breaking of Helheim, but he actually did uh, a first series back in 2014 just called Ragnarok, where he does his own little thing with Thor. And uh, it's pretty interesting. He doesn't have a lower jaw. Uh, I don't know why. It's really weird. But um, the book is awesome. It's drawn awesome. The writing is awesome. Um, everything about it is just awesome. Uh, I definitely highly suggest, if you haven't uh, read this one, to definitely check it out. Um, it's really, really good. Along with the current run called Break Ragnarok, Breaking of Hellheim. That one's also really good, too. You guys uh, stay safe and uh, be looking forward to your next podcast. That was Mike, and he's from Philly, and he's one of the folks that hangs out with us uh, in the Love Thy Nerd community and is a fellow listener and everything, and he kind of told us his read on one of the latest stories in Simonson's Ragnarok, and it's one of those things of I never had a chance to pick up Ragnarok. I don't know. have have Hector, have you had a chance to ever read? I've seen it. The art's amazing, and I just think Walter's a great dude in general, but... Um, I think this is actually another great example of another IDW book. Yep. That that's something that's kind of come out of Walter's mind and onto the page, but thanks for calling in and giving us a little bit of thought on you, but yeah. So Hector Ragnarok, something you've read, or do we now have to submit ourselves to learning from our fan base? Uh, we have to submit ourselves because I definitely have not. Um, I've, it's one of those things that I was aware of, but again, didn't. Um, no, I'm totally, I'm totally yep. out of the loop on it. So it's really that simple, y'all, that if you give us a call, uh, 706-530-1412, leave us a message. We'll take that audio and we'll share with the rest of the world what you think we've missed and what we should be learning from. So buy comics, read them, call and nerd out. It's that easy. So we love to hear about the stuff you're pulling and reading. So don't forget to hit us up before Friday of the following week so you can hear us on the next show. So, Hector, as we kind of uh, wrap up for today's kind of return to comics, I know that you kind of wanted to get the community rolling and you asked a bunch of folks to share their comic collection by sharing your collection as well. And I think you wanted to kind of chat about what we saw in the community and just what other collections looked like. So how about you kind of set us up here for the end of the episode on our topic and what you found interesting as we got to go through other people's collections? Well, honestly, dude, like one of the things that uh, I've been struggling with, with just, you know, adjusting the life and trying to keep up was like back in Hurricane Matthew, um, like my storage area got flooded and mm -hmm. um, I lost like a, a ton of books, but usually, but during that process, because that area was flooding, it was, I grabbed all my books 
that I could and basically threw them in high places. Um, like <laughs> clearing out whole shelves, just sticking them up out of the way. And my comics have not been organized. They've been sitting like haphazardly out of order and forever. And I wanted to actually like go through my collection and see what I had and what I didn't have. And, um, so I spent some time working on my collection and I just thought that would be a good way to kick it off. So I put a video and if you, uh, if you look through the love thy nerd community, you can probably still find it. Um, if you search my name or whatever, but, I, you know, I showed off my collection and, you know, I've got some comics hanging up on my wall in my uh, dining room. I've got a shelf of hardbacks in my guest room and I have a medical filing cabinet uh, filled with books. But uh, we, we kind of challenge people just to share us, show us what your stuff. And one of the things that I think I didn't really think of is that how many folks actually like really invest through graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like in your personal collection, are you an issue by issue dude, or are you like a graph? Like, because I think it's the difference, yeah. and I don't mean this as a negative, but I think it's the difference between seeing something in theaters versus waiting for video. And um, maybe it's it's also kind of like watching um, your fi- your favorite show on television as it comes out versus you know what we can do on netflix and literally plow through it yeah. i think a great example i've heard someone say is like i got to experience the show lost after it was over which meant none of those cliffhangers impacted my life whatsoever <laughs> and mm. i remember thinking while watching that going i probably would have had a very different emotional response to the show if i didn't get to find out what happened next like right now <laughs> um yeah so that was, that i think it's a fun it, life experience Right, that that's part of just the um, serial nature of anything is whether you experience it in real time or in the end and that those experiences are different, um, not necessarily better or worse, but that they're definitely different and that people usually fall in that spectrum. Um, my collection is mostly single issues, um, but I do have a fair amount of collected stuff because I like special editions of stuff. So. I suffer from the collectorism part of it as opposed to just the readerism of it. So a lot of my hardcover stuff are, is going to be like the absolute editions or the fancy hardcovers that were limited and that type of stuff because I have a problem. And honestly, just for everyone that missed it, I didn't get to take a video because I looked at all my stuff and went, this is like a 30 minute thing. And yeah. I want to do that for all of you. So some of you can actually, they're like, he just, he's just faking it. He doesn't really have all that stuff. Um, I kind of want to go through it because I have in one bedroom, just piles of stuff of original art and pages I've bought um, that I need to go through. I have my collection that right now sits at one, two, three, four, almost 16 short boxes, I think that I've not gone through in a while and about two to three of those short boxes are just (laughs) my convention, my convention purchases, purchases or silver age keys. Um, and then my runs, which are mostly from the last four years. Um, so I need to go through it. And when I go through it, it'll make me have to spread it out, which means I can actually film it and explain it. And, after seeing all yours, I was like, yeah, I should do it. That's Because A, it would be dude. fun. And because there's just a stupid amount of it. And maybe I'll get some of my cred back. <laughs> no, no. It's still revoked. 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, because yeah, I saw that too. That we have some folks that are really in depth in their trade reading, and uh, they tell us that week to week that they're like, "Cool, let me know when it comes out in trade," and it's like, "That's valid." Point taken. Yeah. And that's what's awesome about comics is that some people do that for financial reasons. Some people do that so they don't have to wait <laughs> to get well, to the punchline of a joke or um, through an entire series. So, yeah. So it was like a LJ Lowry that, uh, you know, his he's, his collection, he, and he calls himself like a, you know, like not a heavy collector, but like, like a moderate collector. But that, uh, you know, most of his collection was in graphic novel which you know he's mm-hmm. got a lot of dope stuff in his collection but also you know that his you know he only has like you know a dozen or so singles but one of the things that i had not even put thought into was the fact that a lot of his single issues and the stuff that he had like that came from loot crate um and mm-hmm. loot crate straight up you know for all of their failings or faults like in their later years loot crate really did put comics and books and hands of people you know that might have missed it because i know personally i read ready player one before it was a movie because it came in a loot crate um i have i have the loot crate edition of that book as well um like i have the star wars number one from loot crate um so they did some really things and I, i really enjoyed that with him um you know michael don brown has you know his boxes on boxes, you know, he had like a whole run of, tra- of completed trade back or completed trade paperbacks. Uh, he had uh, four boxes, three of which were active runs and one is completed runs. But then I also uh, like, I, I like this comment that he had one that was just for his wife's books. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to have to have that conversation as I go through mine as well, because uh, mine is a shared collection but there are some that are definitely not mine. And sure, I say sure. that not because He's like, it's not mine, they're... I promise. No, it's, it's not that it's the opposite of that. It's my wife going, no, I paid for that key. It is mine. Oh, so y'all scrap it on it. Got it. Uh, <laughs> Every now and then some of our graded stuff or things that I've gifted. She's like, don't forget, uh, that's my comic. And I'm like, well, you're not wrong. Michael also had um, his backlog of shame, as he called it. And to be fair, <laughs> Michael's backlog is bigger than some people's collection. Um, right. So, you know, that's another thing. It's like, I think my backlog is, you know, like I mentioned earlier, maybe four books. What does your current backlog sit at? Do um, you have a backlog? In real, in real time, I'm actually caught up. But that doesn't mean that there aren't things that I haven't read that I should have. Um. To be fair, my backlog is different in that a lot of the trades that make my shelf either are special edition stuff that I just haven't cracked or are the first trade of series that everyone's like, you should have read this by now and I haven't. And that's probably half of my trade collection because to stay up to date on single issues, I just can't. And yeah, so my I'll have to look at it, but I think my shelf of shame is actually pretty big because I bought a bunch of stuff to help my comic shop before COVID started of first issues of stuff that is stuff that people are like, how have you not read this yet? Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Justin Mills also had like a pretty hefty uh, graphic novel base. Um, mm-hmm. And I got to say, man, the seeing the nightfall graphic novels side by side, that's sexy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it makes you warm and fuzzy inside. And also that bone omnibus, man, that Joker is chunky. Um, but I have you read bone? 
it's been forever, but that is another that people are like, yeah, you need to get back to that. And it's like, I I think when I tried to read it, I wasn't in a proper place of mindset and maturity. Um, so (laughs) that's, that's something I need to revisit. And then, um, also we had, uh, Todd Turner though, dude, um, hit like, he just had like a three minute video, but Todd's got a better setup than most comic book shops. Um, like, Easily. Yeah, I was a little I was a little jelly of his uh his custom uh wood um his shelves. He had a shelving unit basically for drawers, which I've looked at them in the past and went, I really want that, but I've never lived someplace that I can dedicate that kind of space. Well, and the fact that they're all vertical and yeah. Know, I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's gorgeous. Like, it's sexy. <laughs> but you know, that too, um, he also has a solid collection of the Marvel collector cards. Did you ever do, or not just Marvel, but but like comic book cards? Did you ever do that? Were you ever? No, because I came to comics later than that. By the time I started looking at collecting and everything, I saw that and I was like, "It's cool. It is so cool." But then the retailer in me goes, "And they're utterly worthless," which is another Todd, one of those things about. Don't listen to him. No. Todd. <laughs> No, I'm actually about to explain it is that it's one of those things that a store owner would go, those are freaking amazing and they're super fun and they're literally encapsulations of some amazingly talented artists in a format that is really interesting, but just Marvel and DC and everyone that produced cards in that era produce so dang many that from a collector perspective, like some stores are literally like giving them away at dollar sales because most stores have a small backlog of those in the thousands. Um, And that's one of those things of collecting versus individual value of comics and other comic collectibles is so important, which is why I say it's like, yeah, some people are going to be like, cool. It literally would cost me money to take that from you. But that doesn't take away from the individual's collectability and why I love comics so much. And sometimes people ask me, they're like, well, how much should I spend on XYZ? And my answer always is, well, don't get ripped off. But at the same time, what is that thing worth to you to be in your collection because you enjoy it? And if you buy things that way, you will never be disappointed in how much you spent because it was worth it to you at that time. Um, because the fluctuation on the values of a lot of this stuff is massive. And, that, um, and that's one of the things. And that that's why I when I saw it, I was like, it's gorgeous. And the fact that he has them all is so cool. And it's a cool story. He's going to be able to tell other people, but like from hardcore collectors, that's why you'll get some snobs that are like, yeah, that's cool. But literally like everyone and their cousin has that. <laughs> and it's like, the, ouch. And it's I, like, I, yeah, well, everyone and their cousin has 10 issues of spawn. Number one, get off me. I, uh, I, um, collected them because it was the early nineties and all of the, you collected cards. I did. Uh, I did. I, that was like, you know, I came into comics around the X-Men animated series era and stuff like that. And, uh, dude, um, the way that like Jim Lee and all the other people drew Marvel women, Jim, yep. Like truly clicked with uh prepubescent hector and um <laughs> that's like that was straight up little 11 year old me like 
take all my money. There's a pretty girl. Like, dude, like, I just remember the, like, Marvel Masterpieces card of Rogue. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nope, all the dollars. Take them. And um, <laughs> so that was, the, you know, I had those cards. I have no idea what I did with them. Um, you know, and that's one of the things, too, that, uh, you know, Justin Mills said that he had uh, sold his collection several years ago. And he was kind of, like, building it back up. Um, that was the thing. Uh, I, when I was 16, I sold my entire collection. Um, I sold my entire collection to take a girl out on a really nice Valentine's date. Um, like, but I, I'm estimating my collection would have been about 2,500 then. And I sold it for like 300. And, Mm. um, you know, I regret all of my life choices. Um, but, I think I've gotten almost all of those books back in one way or the other, but I did have all my Marvel cards in there that, you know, dropped out. But also one of the things I really liked seeing in the everybody's videos, like, you know, the stuff that they have that I don't have that I'm like, Ooh, I want that. Ooh, I want that. Um, but also like one of the last things Todd had mentioned, uh, planetary omnibus. And I know yes. you, you are a, you are a Ellis person. So yep. is this something you're aware of? What is this? What's going on? Oh there? yeah. Planet. Planetary is actually on my list of Warren Ellis things that I haven't gotten to that people throw things at me for. Um, but uh, so I forget exactly the premise, but no, that is early ish Warren Ellis and is one of the cornerstones that if people are like, yeah, if if you're reading Warren Ellis, Planetary is one of those places that you should be starting. And so Planetary Injection um Oh, I just blanked. Uh yeah, there's so much that Ellis did in the early thing. So I'm just going to pull his list right now because let's get this right. But uh, just to say that um, the omnibus is the art is done by John Cassidy, which if you're familiar, he did Joss yep. Whedon's Astonishing X-Men run. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, according, like I looked it up after that, that uh, you can get the the omnibus, the one that Todd pictures in his video. Um it's a $75 retail. You can get it on Amazon new for 47. Um, so cool. So he, here's what I, I knew that I was blanking for, for really stupid reasons, but yeah, planetary injection, uh, Wildstorm was the one recently. Um, the authority is another, that is just stuff I'm supposed to read, but, uh, trans metropolitan is probably his seminal work. Um, that a lot of folks read and then people forget Warren Ellis was the guy that brought us red. Um, that, uh, ended up getting adapted into two movies. Um, and I know Coley Hamner uh, did some of the art and share some of the credit over on red that red's another one of those things of, yeah, that was a comic book movie. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, Ellis just does either dystopian future or don't trust your government really well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he really does flex on those. Well, um, so that's one of the things I really liked about seeing everybody else's collections and feel free to show us more or send us more because comic book collecting is, you know, honestly, like I see a lot of people post about cosplay. It's like, it's for you to enjoy and yep. you can't do it wrong. If you, if right. you're enjoying what you're doing, you're winning. Um, so whether you're collecting trade paperbacks, whether you're, uh, getting, you know, gas station comic books, whether you're getting the Walmart things and, say this and duck at the same time if you're buying them digitally or you know however you're doing it you know it's about you actually enjoying the stories and getting what you get from it whether it's monetarily 
wise or valuable or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say the exact same thing is because I'm going to spend hopefully before the next episode getting my collection kind of together so I can show you guys. Um, We'd love to see some more of you guys uh, sharing stuff and maybe we'll highlight some of that in our what you're reading and also what you're collecting and because we want to make this more interactive and that's the main thing. So thanks for, you know, participating in the community with us and listening to us here on, you know, that semi you know, we're sorry the schedule kind of got messed up over the last couple of months. That's combinations of of life, COVID, and no comics. But hopefully we're back because comics are back. So that's going to be it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode four of season two is now in the can and now in your ears. But we couldn't possibly do this alone. As many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcasts and fandom with a bunch of other amazing podcasts over at the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. You can check that out at lovethynerd.com or just about any place that podcasts can be found. So Hector and I just want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. So all the five stars, please because we love you but anyway thanks for listening and remember kids read more comics